Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the show that tells the stories of diverse leaders who found belonging in our industry, so you can too. I'm Nicole Kasperson. In this episode, I'm vibing out with Sofiet Abdulrazak. She's the CEO and founder of Good Find, a fintech company taking the food truck industry to the next level. In this episode, Sophia and I get super vulnerable about her experiences as a student at Virginia Tech in 2007. She lost close friends during the horrific school shooting. We talked through Sophia's experience with having a female advocate and mentor who poured everything into raising her up and the many ways that Sophia is giving back. Plus, we talked through the importance of authenticity in the workplace and some advice that Sophia has for all the badass women out there that are taking on their next big opportunity. I hope you enjoy this episode with Sophia Abdurazak. Sophia, thank you so much for joining Humans of Fintech. You were an incredible speaker at Fintech is Femme. So iconic. Outfit, look, presence, vulnerability, the whole package. So just thank you for joining the podcast as well. Thank you. It is super exciting for me to be here. I loved, loved Fintech is Femme. Um, It was a powerful event. So just really thankful for the opportunity to speak there. And I'm excited to vibe out with, uh, with you today. Yeah, let's do it. So your background, if you weren't as fintech, at Fintech as Femme, we all know that it is a huge influence on your career and why you chose to be a part of the fintech industry. Yeah. And I know that early on, you learned from the strong women in your life, grandma, great grandma. Talk to us a little bit about that and how they set the foundation for you to understand that no matter what life hands you to just never settle. So I grew up learning about my great-grandmother, Ruth. So my grandmother and I was, were really close um, growing up. We're still are very close. I talk to her like every other day. But she took time off from work to help raise me in my younger years. And she spent a lot of time just focused on instilling in me stories that my grandmother, Ruth, had went through Um, especially during like segregation, you know, so like times were different and she was still able to be an entrepreneur. So the big story that she used to talk to me about was how my grandfather worked on the railroad, had a really, really great job that allowed my grandmother to be a housewife, but she just wouldn't do it. Right. She went out, she worked these odd jobs, eventually afforded her own home, rented rooms out, very a la Airbnb. So I like she was so ahead of her time. Um, and that's how she made money. Like, you know, in perpetuity, residual income, she would then use that money to invest in another house and would do the same thing. And my grandmother just kept saying to me, like, you don't have to settle in life, right? Like there are opportunities where you can use your talents, your brain to make money and you don't have to rely on someone else. Um, That was the lesson. Um, And my grandmother also did that, too. She worked at Allied Signal, which eventually was brought out by Tyson's, got to take this early retirement package um, and ended up investing in herself as well. And then my mom, of course, being superwoman, you know, working at, at social services and really going up the ranks, she actually manages a whole department now. And did so with such grace, raising the family, actually ended up, my mom didn't graduate from college. She ended up getting married and having me. And so um, being able to see her without, you know, that college degree, make it 
to the top of her field also was just really, really powerful for me. So yeah, just seeing strong women, hearing their stories, but not only hearing their stories, but actually witnessing it. It was like, how can't I, you know, succeed? You know, I had that why not me mindset from very early on because I just had really strong examples of what it meant to rely on your own self to push yourself forward, right? You have everything that you need inside of you. And I'm, I'm really thankful for those lessons. They, they got me to where I am right now. It reminds me of, I can't remember who said it exactly, but I was watching some interviews somewhere where someone said that women don't, it's not that they need to find their voice or it's not like they don't have one. It's that they just haven't had the opportunity or the space to be able to mm. actually use it. So like women have always been powerful. They yep. just have to find more so the courage and be vulnerable, right? And to share what is, you know, happening within to the rest of the world. And that's hard for like anyone, uh, especially mm. women, women of color. But I love that you had these like strong influences early on. I mean, fast forward to your days at Virginia Tech. And I mean, this part of your story is the moment where at the event, I I started getting teary-eyed. I mm. heard someone sitting behind me, and I was in the front row. Someone sat be- was sitting behind me, and she goes, now I'm crying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Because of your like experience being there in 2007, but feel free to kind of share some around that. That was by far the most vulnerable moment I've ever had speaking to an audience, but I really, it felt, it felt right to share, you know, especially with the theme of Bridges and Tunnels, like what happened in my life that wasn't so great that I really had to, to persevere through. And it, you know, like the deepest, depths of the ocean that's like just super, super dark where it's like you can't see and it's so much pressure. That was that time in my life for me. You know what I mean? It was it was really dark. Losing 32 Hokies, being on campus, like 100% getting a text saying that we did shouldn't go to class and that, you know, like, and we, and it all kind of could have been avoided if they didn't send the second one saying, you know, that they had a suspect apprehended and it was the wrong suspect. Like it's my story to tell. And yet it's the story of, of thousands of other Hokies who, you know, experienced that day with me to have lost 32 Hokies on that day already was, was disheartening, but to lose a personal friend, Sorry, because uh, I'm, I'm st- <laughs> it still makes me super emotional. Um, but to lose a personal friend during that time, too, was just really, really hard for me. But what I found to be the victory in all of that, right, is that you can overcome things as a collective, that you can come out of a situation stronger, that a person lost doesn't mean that their memory is lost, And so going through that really made me stronger. It gave me a thirst for life, a passion for life. I felt like I was living for more than myself because you do have those moments of if I hadn't been, you know, at the time I was actually with my sorority sisters that morning. So if I hadn't been with my sorority sisters, if I hadn't been a little late to class because I had decided to sleep in, if I had like it was all of these decisions that left me as a witness versus a victim, 
And that's a heavy weight. Yes, it's just heavy. It's heavy. But I'm happy. I'm so happy that now, all these years later, I can share in a form that it could be helpful to other people and that they can understand that there's absolutely nothing that you can't get through, persevere through and get on the other side of. Like bad things don't have to break you. And I find myself so triggered lately because of all the different gun violence in the world. And and it brings me back to a time that's really painful for me. But I find that sharing that story and there were so many people like shout out to the audience because so many people like wrote, came to me after, like wrote to me on LinkedIn, even sent emails. I'm like, how did you find my email? To say that there was that the, that part of the story was really powerful for them too. Um, and they had gone through things in their life that put them in a really, really dark space that they were able to overcome. And it was good to know that they weren't alone. Those dark spaces are the things that really stop really powerful people, otherwise powerful people for accelerating in their life and in their career. So sharing that was was a big moment for me. And, and it definitely has helped, I don't know, release a weight off of my shoulders too, that I now feel comfortable enough to share what I've largely overcome and then hidden. Because um, I also think the t- a lot of times when you overcome things like that, you hide it. Like I've overcome it, so now I'm going to box it out. And it's just something I live through. But sharing is powerful. But it's not easy, right, to get to the place that you're at today. And thank you for resharing, um, because I know that <laughs> I, mean, I can only imagine how difficult, right, that is to bring up. But you feel so many different things when these incredibly horrific experiences happen. Uh, trauma, right? You feel like guilt for being someone that made it through it, right? Like why me? Or like you said, right? The little moments that make you think like if I just had, if I hadn't moved one inch over, like it would have been me or whatever, you know, or if I hadn't been late to class or, and you're like, so why me? Why is that? And I think that it fuels you to start to feel like, hey, maybe I'm here because of a responsibility to share the story, right? To share the story of the friends I've lost or the people that we've lost, especially during times like this, when there's, when it's just continuing and growing and increasing and happening more and faster. Some white might say like, maybe this doesn't have anything to do with FinTech, but to me, it completely does. That's like the point of humans of FinTech. We should be talking about these, right? Like these deep, dark spaces, because until we as humans and leaders in the space and individuals address these certain traumas and maybe do something about them, then we're just going to bring them into work. We're just going to bring them into the poor employee that maybe you would accidentally take it out on and you don't even realize it, right? Like so much self-reflection has to happen for you to be a good leader. One step further in that mindset of like, if you're unable to bring your full self to work, like that's to me a big limiting factor in diverse individuals being able to enter the fintech space because they don't feel safe. Whether you be a woman, whether you be black, brown, immigrant, doesn't matter. Like diversity runs the spectrum. It is all races, all colors, all creeds. It's just having a major difference. And the thing is, like my grandmother may have grew up in, in segregation, but my father is from a, another country. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel like when you're in a culture that allows for vulnerability, sharing, differences, you're going to have a lot more people be attracted to that space. 
And the humanity, to your point, in that is so powerful. You have to be able to be human in a space to feel part, you know, to feel a part of it, to feel whole. And if people don't don't have your, if experiences generally, right, aren't open, then that's a limiting factor for people. And then things end up homogenous. Like, and that's what we see now. We see a lot of the same people in the space. Those people belong in the space too, right? It's just that others belong there as well. And it's hard for them to break in because they can't bring them full selves to work, right? When I was in the tech industry, I never felt comfortable sharing this part of my life because I felt like somebody's going to think that is, is a weakness or what happens if people think that, that that's not something that you should speak about at work. What is that like? You know, and, and that led to to a lot of discomfort for myself, even though I was able to break into that space. And now that I own my own company, I make sure that the culture is one where you can be human. So I think that's just a very powerful thing that you're putting out there. And I think it's a really powerful use of your platform to advocate for vulnerability and humanity because it's it's what's missing, right? Like it's so stuffy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it, exactly. It's you're oh, you so well said. I can't even top it. All I all I can say is I completely agree. And thank you for understanding the content because you know, I think almost every industry, uh, especially in any B two B content space, really needs to hear these type of things because at the end yeah. of the day, you know, employees are looking more for roles that identify with their values and where they can see leadership that looks like them and, and understands. And so our fintech space is only going to keep following the trajectory of traditional finance when it comes to leaders and just the workforce being diverse in general, if we don't stop and think and do something about it and be human about it and, and do all of the things that you're doing. And then like combined with like content platforms like mine, like it's all a it's all a cycle. And so we're, we're working on it together, which is what yes. I love. I love working on it with the, with leaders in the industry. So I want to ask about anyone who maybe made you feel like, you know, you could find your sense of belonging in the fintech space. I know you mm-hmm. told a story at the event about when you were at Wells Fargo and yeah. having someone kind of help bring you along the path in finance, I guess, if you will, and who really taught you about paying it forward. So maybe she's the person who gave you that sense of belonging. So shout out to Elaine Cunningham, just a phenomenal woman. And she taught me a few things. One, that you could be a badass and like unapologetic, like come in in your full power perfectly dressed, you know, in her, (laughs) in all the latest fashions. I mean, she like, one of like Miranda Presley in that movie has like nothing on Elaine. Like Elaine is just, she was just like impeccably dressed, like the best. And so like, like, yes, she gave amazing, like Devil Wears Prada dressing vibes, but like none of the person, none of the Miranda Presley personality. Oh God. And Meryl Streep will run for her money. Elaine Cunningham. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) But she invested in me immediately. I'll never forget our first interview. You know, I was coming out of college. I had just come out of college. I was working as a bank teller. She needed an executive assistant. We really hit it off. And 
she told me right then, she was like, when, when you come, like, this is about growth, right? Like, she's like, I see something in you and I want to pull that out. Right. And so she gave me my first management classes. She gave me my first, you know, management job after those classes. She let me travel with her. I even got to, you know, we would hang out in in our, our personal lives too. You know, like she would invite me over to dinner at her house and like things with her family. She just, she just really poured into me, like really, really poured into me. And Elaine, you know, white woman, 30 years older than me at the, at the time. I mean, she's still, you know, that much older than me, but she, I didn't understand it. And there's something about, I honestly feel like the woman experience that makes you a little skeptical when you have help, right? You're used to always being like a doer trying to, you know, grab life by the seat of his pants and like do and be everything for everyone. And so when you get help, you're, you start to question it. Like I'm the helper, like why this dynamic? It feels foreign, right? Which is something that that I'm trying to pay forward now, right? But um, it felt foreign to me. So it was something eventually that I just had to ask about. Like, <laughs> why are you doing so much, right? Like, you're out of my tax bracket. We shouldn't be friends. Like you are impeccably dressed. Like I can't afford half the stores that you're at. Like, you know what I mean? I'm I'm only here to be your assistant and you're going above and beyond, right? Like management classes are not a part of the job. Like all of these things that were happening were just not me, you know, traveling with you, being in certain meetings, giving me these types of opportunities. They were not required, right? They went above and beyond, And what she said to me was that she saw herself in me. Number one, I thought that was powerful because an older, well-off white woman saw herself in me. That in itself was like super powerful for me and still obviously still is, right? That piece. But then she told me that it was her responsibility to pour into me. So not only did she see something in me, but she felt it was her responsibility to nurture it because she knew what I could become. And that told me and taught me everything that I need to know about being a manager, about being a leader, about being a woman, you know, because it was so resembling of my mom and my grandmother and how they poured into me because they felt a responsibility and they felt like they needed to invest in what I could become. And it was beyond you know, the parental responsibilities of like taking care of me and making sure I had food and water and all that stuff, right? It was beyond that. Like they really poured into me and she was doing the same thing. And she felt like she had that same responsibility and told me that the only requirement for me was to pay it for. So it's like, I have a responsibility to pour into into you because you remind me of me and I know what you can be. And by the way, it's not for free. You have to do this for someone else. If every badass woman did that, imagine where we would be right now, right? Your talents, everything that you do in this life is not for you. I fundamentally believe that everything that I do, everything that I create, every bridge that somebody helps me over is my responsibility to help somebody else. I fundamentally believe that. And as many as people have that mindset, I just feel like the world would be 
a better place, right? It's, it's always about doing your part. So Elaine was definitely my bridge into FinTech and she gave me confidence because she told me straight up, you're me. Like that was everything. Elaine wasn't necessarily, you know, she wasn't uh, another black woman, right? That you could, that made you feel that way. It was a white woman who you probably would have never, that you said, right? You never thought in a million years you would be like close or have things in common or whatever, but like, it didn't matter. She pulled you in. And I think it's important for us because if we keep things like very exclusive, right? Like, oh, only black founders do this or only white women do that or whatever, only men do this, then we just continue this like cycle of horizontal oppression where we're just like fighting each other. But if we can see more of ourselves and people that are very different from us, regardless of it's like inside or outside, then you're so right, you know, and and when it comes, then the, the, the world would be a much better place. It'd be a more communal place and it'd be a place where everyone is winning a bit more than, you know, thinking that there's not enough space at the top for everyone when there totally is, especially women and especially black women and especially brown women. And so I also think of the fact that that is rare. I've had women in my life in roles ahead of me that didn't necessarily <laughs> try oh, no. to help bring me up or, or anything like that. Yeah. It's so funny because I think people think that if there's a woman in the leadership role that it's like a guarantee, but it's not, it has to be like super intentional and it has to be about like them and their, their values. It, we can't just be like, Oh, the outside checks out. Okay. It's going to be fine. Like, cause that's just basically virtual signaling. So, and I'm so glad anyways. that you said that. Cause there's a few things that I love about what you, you said. One, like silos, right? Silos are comfortable and there is a natural thing. Have you ever been in like, I remember like high school when we have dances and you know, you would come with, with a person yeah. and no matter who you came with, you would see the boys in the, on one side and the girls on the other side. And it's like, <laughs> how did this What's happen? Right? Like this supposed to be a dance. You were supposed to be dancing. Like everybody in the middle of the floor, like why are we naturally just separating ourselves and it's because of this like sense of comfort and you feel like you can be your whole self and open but you're right the more that we can build those bridges to say like there's common we're just looking for commonalities beyond physical commonalities whether it be like women in women and men whether it be black brown whatever everybody segregating themselves naturally in that way if we can look, just look at the commonalities themselves, things would be better off. That's not to say or diminish the fact that those spaces are important and sacred and have a really strong place in people becoming more confident in who they are as an individual, right? Still important, but it is a limiting factor or can be a limiting factor in particular, the business space, right? The career space where you do need other people. And I'd also say when you see someone that looks like you, right? When you see that woman manager, I think you eventually, you immediately have this expectation of this is going to be better for me because this person's a woman, yeah. they know what I've been through and you can be let down when they don't meet those expectations for whatever reason, and that too is dangerous, right? It's clear that they don't have that sense that, and I've had women managers, I walk in, I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn everything. This is going to be great. So exciting. And I, it's, gonna, it's so exciting. I had a lane. So 
everyone's Elaine. And that's just not true. Right. I've had women supervisors that that were very difficult for me to to deal with. And and I had white male supervisors who put me on, you know, so it's it's like what is a crapshoot. Right. You don't even know what to expect when entering a new place. It's all based person to person. And so it's 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 I've I've had those times too. So I just thought, man, like she's really spot on that even when you expect somebody who has a similarity to to you to like help you and move you forward and you're so excited, sometimes those are when you feel the most alone and unhelped and unnurtured. And it's like, well, how can this be? Right? Because obviously you've had similar experiences as me. And that's dangerous too. And it makes me think about, you know, even with like my content, let's like even take like FinTech is Femme. Like I, I called it FinTech is Femme because I wanted it to feel like anyone that identifies with Femme energy, like would feel like the event was a space for them to be included. So whether yeah. you're like, I don't care what you identify as gender wise, if feminine energy makes you feel welcome, then you are welcome to this. And that is that was the idea. Cause of course, when I first launched the event, I had men asking me if they were allowed to come. And I'm like, of course, sure. I really want of you course. to come. And then, yeah. And then and even my content today, sometimes someone will see like, uh, will come up to me at an event and be like, Oh, I saw your, your newsletter, your podcast. And I just wanted to say hi. Like, and then they'll, maybe they'll be like, Oh, maybe I'm not your audience demographic. And I'm like, yes, you are. Like, just because I was like, you work in fintech, you are my audience demographic, sir. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me what you look like on the outside or that my content has pink logos, like read it first, mm-hmm. right? Like try reading it. Maybe you'll connect with something like maybe, you know, Sophia's story will, will, you know, identify with you or John Jay's or, or whoever else. So I think there's like a lot to just people always looking at things, you know, from the outside, that's how the world taught us. Right. Is like to see mm. whatever's on the outside and be like, Oh, we're going to relate or not relate or whatever. And so Elaine taught you that that is not the case. She did. The content I've been creating regularly has taught me that is not the case. So crazy. I love that we're kind of shifting into a world though, where, that's becoming more normal. So, and a lot of thanks to people like us putting ourselves out there. So I agree. Yes. I will ask you, what is a piece of advice that you would give to listeners who have felt like outsiders in their workplaces and how maybe they could feel a little bit more included or feel just more like they belong? I actually talk about this quite often. And my word there is like authenticity you should be authentic in everything that you do. You should bring your full self to everything that you do. And the reason is because when you look at yourself in the mirror, and I thought I've thought about this a lot. It was like a famous Steve Jobs quote that kind of resonated with me. It was kind of in this vein, right? Like if you wake up every morning and you aren't doing what you feel like you should be doing, right? But basically we'll put your soul on fire then you got to, and you do that too many days, you basically have to stop doing it. I think a lot about the jobs that I've had in the past where I wasn't my authentic self. And every day I woke up and I was miserable 
because I knew I was going into a place. I was wearing a a mask, right? (laughs) And I hated the job because I hated myself, right? I hated who I was being at the job. And the moment I shifted my mindset to say, it's okay for me to be me. Like I made a commitment. Every time I enter work, I'm going to be Sophia. Sophia's not always going to be right. She's not always going to be palatable to everyone. There's a lot of things that she will not be to everyone, but she will be exactly what she needs to be for her. And then I started to love my career and where and where it took me. Twists and turns, didn't matter what the company was, didn't matter who my supervisor was. None of that mattered because I knew I was me. And I think sometimes the hardest thing to be in this world is yourself. But when you can do that, you start to realize what the real problem is, right? Because if you're if you're yourself every day at work, you can actually determine if it's actually the job that's the problem. Because I see a lot of people job hop and they're like, oh my God, I hate it here. I hate it here. I hate it here. I hate it here. No matter what the job is, like the more money doesn't satisfy them, the difference in responsibility doesn't satisfy them. They're just always uncomfortable, right? And I tell them, I'm like, try being yourself. Just go to work and be you. Don't put on a fake voice. (laughs) Don't, you know what I mean? Don't respond in the way that you think people are expecting you to respond. Bring your full mind to the job. Bring your full self to the job. You're going to do the job better. And the thing is, everything gets better from there. And I'm a true believer that what's for you is for you. So if you if your personality, your real personality doesn't fit in a, in a certain workspace, then that job isn't for you. That environment isn't for you. That culture isn't for you. And you're at the best advantage. You have a job and you can find a new one while having one, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, 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 can, and can move on to a place where you find a better culture fit. And by the way, when you're looking for this new job because you're already making money, you can ask those culture fit questions. Right. You can ask the questions that are most important to you because you're interviewing them just as much as you're interviewing. They're interviewing you making decisions, especially career decisions from a deficit is the worst. Right. I hate my job so much that the new that whatever new comes along, I'm going to take. And then you end up being miserable there. And it's, it's cyclical. So for me, authenticity is key. I show up how I am every day. You can even ask my investors. <laughs> They'll say the same thing. <laughs> like, you know, I'm I'm vulnerable to them as well. And I'm I'm who I am to them as well. And they know that backing my company also means that backing me in my authentic self, but I'm also coachable and, and just very open to what they have to say. But I'm open to what they have to say because I'm being me. You understand what I'm saying? Like when you're not you, it's a very defensive posture that you have with everything that you do. So you have no openness. But when you're being yourself, you have all the openness in the world. So anyway, authenticity is key, friends. You know, own, own who you are. It is hard to be authentic. And that's actually where the work is, is back to the you know idea of self-reflection and that's something I've I do every day I read a lot of books to help me with it I you know take time I go to museums or or sit in a park for a while just to have some moments uh because without it and and until you really 
can appreciate yourself and your authentic self and feel comfortable enough to bring her or him or they to the table regularly, whether it's your job, your family, your friends, anything, right? Like what you said is applicable to relationships. And that's what work is. It's it's your, you know, relationship with something that honestly, and the people at the work culture that honestly should be fulfilling, that should be a part of who you are personally, that should be all of these, you know, things where you can find so much fulfillment. It doesn't have to just be something that Oh, I clock out and I clock in and that's it. Cause that you're right. That's how you lead into like a pretty miserable lifestyle that doesn't feel authentic to you if you aren't, you know, truly following what makes you feel the best. So, but a lot of that does take like the time to actually mm-hmm. figure out what do I like? Who am I? What do I, you know, and that, and that's, that's hard. And, but yeah, I'm like appreciative of how much more information there is out there that we can learn from. And so, I have plenty of like book recommendations, depending on what you like, right? Like I read like a lot of Gloria Steinem or like Audre Lorde and stuff like that. But depending on what you like, hit me up. I might have a book, good good book recommendation or so when it comes to self-reflection. I love book recommendations. So send them all my way. You should see my bookshelf at home. It's insane. <laughs> it like fills up a whole wall. Oh, I, I, love, I love to read. Oh. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm glad you pointed out that it that it's hard to be your authentic self because it is hard. It is really, really hard to make that decision, period. But to your point about time, eight hours a day minimum, five days a week, right? By the time you get home, you maybe have three or four hours to yourself. So literally you spend more of your life at work or in commuting to work. Remote life has made it a little bit different than you do with your family, your friends, and the things that bring you joy. So if you don't have joy in what you do, like, can you imagine, and I've been there, how miserable my life was. I had to decompress from work. And it, even that took hours, right? So it just became less and less and less and less time for me to actually enjoy my existence. <laughs> I just, nobody should have to live like that. I don't wish that on my worst enemy. I mean, I remember like my first job out of school and I don't remember what it's called. There's like a name for this symptom, but I used to like stay up late because I dreaded going to work the next morning. So I would like purposefully stay awake because I was grabbing onto the hours that were for me. That does not happen anymore. Thank goodness. I get all my sleep anyways. Because I I do what I love, but that there is like a literal symptom that that is named. And so anyways... But um, that's like the kind of things your body will do, right? And then physically, you end up you end up being you know hurting yourself, right? If I'm staying up later and not getting enough sleep because I don't want to go to work the next day, then I'm tired and blah 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 and so forth and so forth. So here you are, CEO, founder of Good Find, creating your own company culture, creating your own foundation, and I love to see it. It's so wonderful. One of my favorite questions I want to ask as we come to our our end, is if we need to be the change that we want to see, what change do you want to see in fintech and how will you embody it? I mean, I just want to see more, more diverse perspectives, more like people coming to the table to revolutionize based on their personal experience. Like that's what I want to see in fintech Mm -hmm. because I feel like we've barely scratched the surface of what fintech can truly be, right? I said I'm a, I'm a, you know I'm a first generation American. My dad's Nigerian, and 
going back home, there's like so much that can be done. And it's so limited by how advanced technology is here, right? How advanced and how unaffordable. And I feel like the more perspectives that we bring into to fintech, the more complex things we can make simple, the more access we can give to people all, all over the world, the more openness we can give. And so fintech is the dopest space on earth. I don't care what yeah. anybody says. Somebody <laughs> can at me like, I love it here. I love it here. It's all about like financial stability, financial progress. Like everybody has to deal with, has to touch fintech in some way. There's always a transaction. There's always money exchanging hands. Um, and there's always to do it, always a way to do it smarter, more equitably, and with more purpose and impact. So I love it here. And I just want to see more perspectives brought to the table so that we can really help to revolutionize like the world globally. Like how many yeah. industries do you know that have global implications always? Like it's just, it's there's just, only it's, a few it's, of them. Only a few, truly. Yeah. Only a few. Yeah. There's like healthcare, government, financial services, literally. Period. Like, Any, anything period. else can come and go. Honestly. So it's like, this is the best place to be. And I just want to see more. And so for me, it's about putting myself out there, right? There were times where I felt like being under the radar, not speaking, not putting myself out there and my stories and just kind of, you know, being behind my computer doing my work was me doing my part. Right. And if I want to see more, I personally have to be more. I have to open myself up to having dope conversations with women like you. I have to open myself up to, to phone calls, even when I've had a long day to help another, another founder or another human on their path. I just have to be more. I have to find the time. You know, Beyonce just dropped a single last night. We all have the same 24 hours as Bay, the queen mm-hmm. herself. And if she's executing at such a high level all the time, I can too, right? It's just like, I got I tell myself that every day. I tell myself that every day. And I've been listening to that new single on repeat this morning. Oh my gosh. It's so good. And the lyrics are perfect for literally this conversation, right? Right. She's like, I'm on a new vibration. Like, she's like, I'm on a new vibe. I'm creating a new foundation. The whole thing. Ugh. You know, I'm only doing what serves me. I'm only, you know, I'm I'm stepping. She's talking about stepping into her authentic power, right? Like anything that doesn't serve me, I'm going to release that. And I'm going to walk into my own path. And I think she's the change, right? Like she's, she, her music is about inspiring a movement that is so needed right now. And it's definitely needed in FinTech. We need more. And an older way to get more is to be more. And so that's what I'm going to do every day. Mm-hmm. Oh, so well said, Sophia. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is such, this has been such an amazing conversation. I think this is my first podcast where I'm ending with Beyonce mentions, which I don't know how it took this long to get here. I just needed you on my podcast, obviously. Um, thank you for understanding me because um, it, it helps. And just thank you for being the embodiment of honestly, of what the fintech, of humans of fintech, of fintech is fam. Uh, we are on the same damn page. This is exactly everything that you said on the show is exactly the reason why I created this was, was for these moments were for us to be able to be the change that we want to see and really bring it to the table. And I hope a lot of black, brown, 
white, whatever, all sorts of different people hear this and, and feel like this space is for them because here we are in it. And so why the hell not? We could all be in exactly. it. And why not and have a more bring it in? Yeah. Bring bring it in. Bring it in. Anyways. Thank you again so much. Hats off to us. And I hope everyone enjoys this episode. Me too. Thank you for having me. And I'm really proud of you. And I'm proud of this podcast. And your newsletter is dope. So if they are listening and aren't signed up for the newsletter, <laughs> get, on, get on that train as well. Um, and vice versa. If they have on the newsletter, but haven't listened to the podcast, they need to do that. This is powerful, powerful work, Nicole. And you need to know that. Thank you. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I got that on the record. That is a testimonial <laughs> from Sophia herself. All right. And we out. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning into this episode to hear our next story from another diverse leader. Be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our show and give it a five star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging to.